Welcome to the Pardes Nayeka podcast on inspired parenting. Dasi Berkowitz, director of Becoming a Soulful Parent, together with Tova Leah Nachmani, Pardes faculty member, will be reflecting on three spiritual practices that can help us prepare for Rosh Hashanah and the high holiday season ahead of us. For source sheets to accompany this podcast and for more online Torah learning for the holidays, visit www.elmod.pardes.org. Hi, I'm Dasi Berkowitz. So around this time of year, every year leading up to the high holidays, I think about the idea of renewal and hitchhut. Rosh Hashanah is a new year and it's a time to start anew. I think really specifically of one way I want to grow. One year it's to be on time. Another year it's you know being kinder than I really have to be to my partner. But what's amazing to me is that I actually sometimes I don't even think about my kids when I'm thinking about um, what I want to improve on in my life. Um, and even on the things that I do um, try to improve around I have the whole year to work on this one thing, and sometimes I get to the beginning of the next year and say, I can't believe I didn't actually move the needle on that one. Um, It's really just to say it takes so much to change. Um, Change is not a simple matter. It's really the work of our lives, and the beauty of the Jewish calendar, as our tradition teaches, is that every holiday is an invitation to respond to a human yearning. We yearn to grow and to change and to move. And I know that if I don't, um, and if I feel like I'm just going through the motions and I'm moving on autopilot, that, that you know, there's a real deep dissatisfaction that comes with that. So as we approach Rosh Hashanah, I want to think about what's one way that I want to change and grow in relationship, especially with my kids. But is it really possible, right? What would it really mean to begin anew? and to see the possibility of relating to my children in a new way. Um, I mean, won't we all just repeat the same patterns that we've set in motion before? Great question. I remember myself every Rosh Hashanah for so many years. I'm like, okay, this year I'm going to focus on my patience. And I'd say, oh, gosh, wait a minute. I said that last year and the year before, and and I felt like I just never really made any significant change. It's interesting that when we wish ourselves um, and wish each other, may you be inscribed in the book of life. Um, One read on the book of life is that it is the very story of our lives. We actually get to write our own story. I'm Tova Leah Nachmani, and I want to talk about a little bit about my own story that I write and think together with Dasi about what that might look like for us as parents. Um, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs has a beautiful quote in source number two. He says, I think tshuva is one of the most remarkable ideas ever to have entered the human mind. Tshuva tells us that history can change because we can change. And for me, that as a parent says a world of, it gives me a world of hope because tshuva tells us that I can change, my family can change, and the dynamic with my children can change because just because of the change that I actually can do myself. In the language of parenting, yesterday's disaster can become tomorrow's delight, meaning our life is an open story and I get to write the new chapter. In these weeks leading up to Rosh Hashanah, Dasi and I have chosen to talk about a series of three spiritual practices. Okay? It says in the 
ראש השנה תפילה, תשובה ותפילה וצדקה מעבירים את רוע הגזירה. תשובה, growth and change, תפילה, prayer and צדקה, giving, can forestall or prevent an evil decree. What, what does that mean? What is an evil decree? An evil decree for me is like being stuck. Hmm. It's like when I stop writing my story, hmm. when I give up. The way we write our own story actually changes the decree of our lives. It changes the very fabric of our lives and our relationships with our children. These three spiritual practices we're going to speak about keep us moving. Mm. I love that idea, right? Just that being stuck. And I feel like we're stuck so much. I mean, I have three kids and I know that you have seven children and lots of grandchildren. And, you know, how does this really show up um, with our kids, right? That idea of change, the possibility for growth. Um, and, you know, I find that I ask my kids to do tshuva all the time. You know, every time I make them say they're sorry for hitting, uh-huh. you know, the one of the siblings, they're like, I'm sorry. And it's like, you didn't really mean that, did you? You know? Um, so, but here, I, when we're thinking about, when we're thinking about tshuva, I'm not sure we're thinking about just a kind of a simple or surface behavioral intervention. Um, and it's not something that we're just going to immediately say, well, what's it like for our kids? Let's make our kids do tshuva. You know, the high holidays are coming up and this is a topic of the high holidays. Um, it's really about modeling this spiritual practice ourselves, right? What would it really mean to start with ourselves? Um, what does tshuva mean for us as parents? And especially when we think about, you know, there's this kind of vulnerability that might come with doing tshuva, saying that I did something wrong or that I made a mistake. Um, but if we were to think about ourselves as the leaders of our families, that we're modeling something that's a powerful tool for our kids um, as they seek to change and grow in their relationship throughout their lives. So it's really a gift that we're modeling or presenting to them really one time a year in a very concerted way around Rosh Hashanah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting. It makes me think of my own professional life because mm-hmm. as a teacher at Pardes, I'm constantly interested in feedback. I give my students little index cards and have them write on one side what's going well in class and on the other side, what do you want to change? What would you like to see different in class? I'm always looking to improve my teaching mm-hmm. um, and my relationships with my students. So wouldn't I want to do that at home also? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't I want to make my parenting as professional as my teaching? I have a interesting anecdote that I once did for my birthday um, when my kids were teenagers and I wasn't sure if anything I was doing was right for them. A one birthday of mine, I handed out index cards to my kids and pens and I asked them to write on one side what I do well. Mm, I love that. And then on the other side, I asked them, asked them to write what could I do better. Mm. And this really put me in a position of vulnerability. Right. In our relationship. It was kind of scary to do that, especially with teenagers, because wow. I was really nervous about oh. the answers I was going to get. Yeah. Some people may think that's way too vulnerable. Yeah, but how did that go? Um, I think that they were surprised that yeah. I asked them. Um, and for me, it was such a surprise to see the positive things that they wrote. Wow. And that many of the things that they asked me to change or that they thought I should change were about 
things that I could do for myself. And wow. That was really interesting. That's an amazing, that's an amazing thing that, you know, that we're thinking that our kids can actually really see us and see the processes that we need to go through. Wow. What a, what an element of surprise. You know, I think a lot about vulnerability and there's this amazing um, social researcher, Brene Brown, who um, some of our listeners might know. And she writes a lot about shame and vulnerability. And she's really put vulnerability on the map in some ways. And she talks about, you know, just how we need to get comfortable with that sense of vulnerability. That vulnerability, um, she says in one of her books, is the core of all emotions and feelings. To feel is to be vulnerable. To believe that vulnerability is a weakness is to believe that feeling is weakness. You know, so it kind of reframes vulnerability and to say if we want to have robust, intimate, meaningful, passionate, open, curious relationships in our intimate lives with our children, with our partners, even with our dear friends, then vulnerability is the path. Um, and I think this I, concept of chuva can really, as a spiritual practice, can help lead us there. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, change is just something that does not happen overnight. You know, even you deciding to do that probably was a process that you Absolutely. were kind of went through for, for some time. Mm-hmm. It's really incremental and it happens in small ways. Um, but there are a million opportunities every day for us and for me to think of, you know, if I want to change or not, if I want to respond to that call for growth um, or to really ignore it or even suppress that that call even exists. I remember when hey, my children were much younger, one of my children was very critical of her siblings. Um, and I thought to myself, what, what's, like, how can I change that? Mm. I create a shift in that child. And then I thought, really... What I need to do is think about my own critical eye. And I thought, well, as a parent, that's my role. I need to be critical and help my children to see, you know, to, to be on time, to do their homework, to clean up their room. Like, I need to help them yeah. to be, you know, functioning, right. responsible adults. And I realized mm-hmm. that my relationship with my children was a very critical one, critical in the sense that I was being critical of them. And that, and that moment really changed for me the way that I looked at myself. I remember reading that... Um, that especially with challenging children or children who have um, sometimes self-esteem issues, that we as a parent need to think about the ratio of 10 to 1. Right. That for every, ton, wow. 10, for every one thing that we ask our children to do um, or an order that we give them mm-hmm. to you know, clean the rooms and pick up their stuff or whatever we're asking them to do time after time, that we need to think about 10 things that we've said to them that are positive. And, and for me, that was one of the biggest challenges that I had. I tried to imagine 10 bracelets on my right arm and that each time I said something positive, I moved a bracelet wow. to my left arm. And then, and only after those 10 could I actually say something that was, you know, an instruction to my kid, you know, telling them what to do. Um, and I really hoped that that would be a model of, um, a, a modeling in myself of how to be less critical, how to be more, you know, supportive of the other wow. children. And it's really, you know, that, that sense that, you know, it's really just putting the relationship front and center, you know, that that's what you, so if that's what's needed in that moment, then, then how can you change your behavior, your attitude in order to make sure that you're, you're getting through, you're continuing to connect in the deep way that you want to connect with that child. Um, and it's, it's amazing how, you know, this, uh, you know, the opportunity to imagine or to think, how can I develop that closer relationship is, is the activity of each moment, right? Every moment that we have, we can choose to continue to be critical or we can choose to 
you know, um, a lift up or a buoy or um, or connect more with our child. And there's this this piece that I learned from my teacher Ruth Yair Nussbaum. She she taught to me um, from the Ger Rebbe, and he talks about it's source number four on your four, on your source sheet. He talks about um, my work in this moment, and it comes from this famous saying from Hillel the Elder and Pirkei Avot, if I'm not for myself, who will be for me? Um, I'll just read it in English. Each of us is called in our unique way to answer to the work of each moment, not to dwell in the past in the world of regrets, but to know that each moment is precious and different from the one that came before or will come after. What is my work of tshuva, achshav, in this moment? And what I love this idea, right? What is, you know, v'kol achshav v'avoda shalo? Every now, every singular moment, and its own work. And I actually find myself, since I learned this, I find myself just carrying this idea around with me all the time. I mean, in every aspect of my life, whenever I feel like I'm lost or getting off track, what is the work of this moment. Um, and it's so contemporary, this idea, you know, the, all the kind of what we say about mindfulness, um, but really to think about every moment in our lives as an invitation, um, an invitation to grow and to change and to do work, you know, the real work that it's required. So the question I guess I have is how do we do this? How do we, hmm. how do, we do this with one of our children? Um, do we have... Is it the same? Is there? Do we have the same tshuva as a parent that we need to do for all of our children, hmm. or can we choose one struggle, one child? Um, I think it's think it's something really to think about. Is if this podcast really could help me to choose one struggle hmm. with one child, whether it's my most challenging child, um, or what, whether it's the child who, because I have a very challenging child. A sibling really needs more attention, and it's not always necessarily with my most challenging child that I can put all of my focus. Yeah. Yeah, I love that, right, just to really be able to focus on, you know, one thing, one child, you know. Um, you know, I know that for myself, this just, it plays out every night at bedtime. Um, I, uh, there's this great, there's this great idea that Alan Liu writes about in his uh, book. This is real and you're completely unprepared. It's my favorite pre-Rosh Hashanah reading. Mm-hmm. And he talks about the recurring disaster of your life. Like, what's that unresolved element that keeps coming back um, to the same moment over over and over again. And for me, it's bedtime with one of my kids who just does not transition. You know, she's so excited and she like lives her life in this very high volume excitement. And so when it actually comes to calming yourself down and calming her body down at the end of the day, um, the, it often breaks out into tears and hysterics and throwing herself on the floor. And this is something that it's just been many years of this kind of thing. And I've, and I, as a parent, I'm constantly at my my wit's end. I think you shared with me that your um, your your daughter-in-law, I think, said that after eight o'clock, um, I'm done, or I have no more patience. So the store is closed at eight, and I'm not accepting any more, you know, customers. So I definitely feel this way also, and. And I find myself getting really angry and upset, and I don't want her to transition to bedtime and to sleep and to that next stage of you know her her night to be able to ease into it. You know that's my dream for her, um, but it never happens that way. And I think about myself and just 
how I can summon the patients or even put it in a, a different perspective of what's happening there um, in terms of my own role of being someone that will needs to teach her the skills to calm herself down and to understand what that means and how that can then be a tool for her, for her life. But that's definitely my recurring disaster. Mm-hmm. You know, it's- In my life, one of my recurring, the theme songs of my life is my kids telling me, Ima, wh- where are you? You're not there for me. You haven't mm-hmm. been. My kids are older. So I said, you know, how come you're not there for me? How come I need more help from you? I need more support from you. And I'm thinking, yeah, but you're, you know, you're standing on your own two feet and you know aren't you like i want to give you independence and you see it looks like you're doing looks like you're getting your you know moving on with your life and doing the things that you need to do and 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 almost every one of my children from the age of 30 down to 19 has said to me this year em i need you to be there for me more wow and for me that's an invitation to really ask them okay what you know Please tell me, what do you need? Mm. Tell me what you need. I'd like to be there for you. Mm-hmm. And I can't always read, you know, I can't always read that situation on my own. So I really invite you to tell me, you know, in your moments before you need to get upset with me, like get to tell me what it is that you need. Right. So um, with children, I think that uh, we have different challenges at yeah. different ages, but they, even as a, uh, as a mother of grown children, those mm. challenges don't disappear. Right. I thought they would. Yes. When kids grow up and get married, I'm like, oh, good. That's right. <laughs> responsibility, but no, they don't go away. Um, but they're, they're blessed uh, blessed challenges. Um, I think the question that I want to think about now is, how do we really go about, how does our tradition help us to think about taking that first step in tshuva? Mm. Um, this source, number five in the Rambam, Ilchot Tshuva from the Mishnah Torah, really says to us that there are three different areas of our lives that we can use to mm. do tshuva. Our head, our hearts, and our bodies. Mm. Um, with our head, I think the first thing that Rambam suggests to us is that we need to verbalize a confession. We need to actually be able to make a choice to admit that there's something that we really are not doing that needs to be done mm. in our lives and decide what that is, to write it down, to make a note for myself, to journal about it, to put it, I don't know, to like put it up on my fridge, to put it somewhere, um, and to really be open to the question of what do I want to change? Because I'll say we can't really change more than one thing yeah. at a time. Yeah. It's just not possible to be working in many different areas at the same time. So what is that one thing? What do I want to admit with my head that this is not the way I want to see it. This right. is not this this aspect of my parenting with my children is not yeah. my ideal you know, when I envision what I want for my kids, this isn't it. Right, right, right. And then that second stage is um, really that level of chavarta or regret. Um, and this is really um, the kind of getting our heart behind that confession or that, that verbalization or whatever we say is that one thing that we want. Um, and, it, you know, it's so easy for us to blame our kids or in that situation at bedtime to say, what's going on? What is wrong with her? Why can't she just settle her? Yourself down. Everyone else can. You're already such and such years old. You know, um, you know. Just as we know that that's a kind of a shaming um, attitude to be able to to put our kids down in a, in those ways, or to get defensive and say, "Of course, I'm un- impatient. Who wouldn't be? I've just had a long day, and I've just been with you, and we did these art projects, and we baked. I don't really do art projects or bake, but I, mean, I thought it would sound good." <laughs> 
um, but maybe some of you do. And um, and what are you know what what's a way that we get are aware that we don't shift the blame to to our kids in that moment? We can instruct them and we can help them in all that way in all those ways. But for us to kind of take internalize a sense of harata or regret is really about saying, where am I in this? You know, where am I being triggered? How can I actually really look at that and try to have a different and be honest about it and maybe have a different take, you know, with it? How can I cultivate, even though the shop is closed at eight o'clock and there's no more customers, how can I expand and, you know, let the shop stay open a, a few more minutes and because that's often usually all it really takes. I think it's Rob Cook that writes that the first step of making a change in our life is feeling in our gut that feeling of sadness or feeling this anxiety that like mm. it, it's not happening, it's not working. And so that charatav, like I'm not, I, I, you know, really being able to look at ourselves and saying it just, it's not... Mm. It's not working, and I'm and it, and it and it troubles me. I think that that troubling sense, that emotional troubling, is a positive aspect of tshuva. It's not something that could that necessarily needs to get us down. It, it could really be something that brings us to the stage after that, the stage number three, according to Rambam, which is Kabbalah Le'atid, which is deciding what do I want. You know, turn on the GPS. What's my destination? Where do I want to get to? What is one thing that I can choose to? do at this moment mm. or this moment for the upcoming however many days or weeks that I want to set up for myself. I think that that for me is, um, a, is part of the process of tshuva that helps me to keep moving. Right. I, I love this idea. You know, I think we started with getting stuck and that there's this, you know, this kind of progression of how to get unstuck, you know, that Rambam presents to us um, and we know that our lives are messy and that things don't go always in a linear way but for us to be able to keep in mind that there are elements to it right that verbalization and that mind that heart that regret and then the hands right the strategy or the way that we can um, think about how is it going to be different next time how will it play out mm-hmm. you know Rosh Hashanah is just it's this time to excavate our inner lives and really an opportunity to grow and what would it mean for us to just embrace and and get excited about this time of year um, as an opportunity to that there could be a shift, right? This hit it could look different. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, with normative parenting and normative children, whatever that is, that range is so enormous, mm. um, so expansive. I think that we can make all kinds of changes on our own. And uh, and for me, it's also been very helpful as a parent to recognize. When I just can't do it myself, mm. when I need help, when I need to turn to someone professional and say, "Wait a minute, I've been trying the same thing over and over, and it is not working." Right. And now, how you know, how can I get some guidance uh, about that? Um, I love this, that. Yeah, I just love that that ritual that you were sharing with me that you do every month. Yes, I wanted to say that the Sfat Emet um, has a beautiful, beautiful read on Hitchadshut. Rosh Hashanah is the first day of the month of Tishrei. And it's not just Rosh Hashanah, the new year, that we get to choose a direction, that we get to sort of re, um, you know, reprogram our GPS, but actually it's every single month because every month we have Rosh Chodesh. We have the beginning of a new month. Mm. And for us, that can trigger the beginning of a process. Um, what would that mean for us to do some kind of tshuva every single month, but to choose one thing. I have a particular spiritual practice mm-hmm. where I choose before each Hebrew Rosh Chodesh, I choose, or on Rosh Chodesh, I choose one thing that I want to 
shift that I want to grow on. And you think I remember what I chose last Rosh Hashanah? I don't. You know, he basically says 30 days is about all it takes for a person to forget. Mm -hmm. And so 30 days later, even though I've chosen something to to, to do for Rosh Hashanah, I know that I need for the the beginning of every new month to choose something new or to renew my commitment to work on the thing that I wanted to work on last month that I still feel like I'm struggling with, great. But I need to renew that commitment every single month. Wow, I love that. renews itself that I need to renew myself also. I love that idea of, um, yeah, I just love that idea of renewal and I love that the idea of the dynamism of it, you know, because our families are such dynamic organisms, you know, and so to be able to constantly renew is amazing. And so I'm wondering for me also, this is making me really think about what's that one shift that I want to make as a parent, um, uh, this coming Rosh Hashanah. And I'm also wondering for all of you, if you were to really think about what's one, one area of growth, um, that you would want to kind of seed in yourself, um, this coming Rosh Hashanah, maybe just for the first month of the new year, um, and then try it out. Thank you, Dasi. Thank you, Tavalea. Thank you for listening to this Pardes Ayeka podcast on Inspired Parenting. For more about this podcast and other offerings from the Pardes Online Learning Channel, visit www.elmod.pardes.org.